Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Having Funlessness, episode 322. Here we go really quick. Let me just tell you where I am performing. Spokane, Washington just went on sale. But I'm coming in June, June 4th through 6th for four shows. They do not do a late Friday show. Thank God. What a miracle. Wait, sorry. Can I start over? (laughs) I'm going to do these shows before the introduction, so, okay. Spokane, Washington just went on sale. Their tickets are on sale now. I have four shows, June 4th through 6th in Spokane, Washington. If you live there or within 90 miles, I would take the drive on over, and you can go to jenkirkman.com and click tour for tickets. My Los Angeles show, which is Tuesday, February 25th from 8 to 9 p.m. It's called Real Talk with Jen Kirkman. It's where I chat with a fun and funny famous person. Dana Carvey will be my guest and he has promised me we will talk about anxiety and all things and of course he will be very funny as well. That only holds 50 people. There are limited seats left. Please do buy them online. If it says that it's sold out, I implore you to just show up anyway, because I believe that we can always fit you in. So jenkirkman.com, click tour. And don't forget, as always, Phoenix is on sale right now. I will be there one night only, March 28th. And New York City Carolines, May 7th through 9th, five shows. Again, all tickets, jenkirkman.com, click tour. I would so appreciate if after you buy tickets, you take a photo of the ticket or you make an Instagram story about it and you tag me at jenkirkman on Instagram or at Jen Kirkman on Twitter, or use the hashtag Jen Kirkman 2020. It's the best way to get the word out when you guys buy tickets and other humans go, wait, other people are leaving the house? So will I. Enjoy this week's episode. Fondlessness, fondlessness, fondlessness. Having fun. 
Having Funlessness, episode 322, with me, your host, Jen Kirkman. I am a stand-up comedian. I am an author. I am a TV writer, and this is my podcast. I've been doing it for, my God, almost seven years now, and it's where I go to tell you what went on in my life, in my head, in the world. It's sometimes funny, sometimes serious, always real, always authentic, always just what it is, where you can come and see the less plotted out, the less planned, stream of consciousness side of me. This episode is sponsored today by Rothy's Thrive and Honey Book. We'll get into that later. And at the end of the episode, I will tell you guys all about the new Patreon experience that will be available starting in March. Great. Oh, what is it? It's Valentine's Day week. What a childish holiday. I mean, it really is. And I go, oh, you're single. Well, I'm technically single in that I'm unmarried. I am not interested in Valentine's Day. It is, and I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to sound counterculture or like I'm a freshman in college who's got some opinions about things everybody's already had opinions about. And isn't that that interesting? I'm just truly in the bottom of my heart feel that it is kind of a ridiculous holiday. Now, if you're the type of person that says, well, you know, I've been with my partner for 20 years and we don't often take the time to get to saying romantic things to each other, buy each other gifts or something. I don't know. So, you know, this is a nice day to remind ourselves. And I, I'm one of those people. If it's not on the calendar, I don't think to do it. I, I get it. But I just feel like if you're in a relationship, like, you have your anniversary of when you met or your wedding anniversary or something. I just think Valentine's Day is so weird and everyone else is out doing it. I don't know. I don't. Maybe that maybe people who love Valentine's Day, uh, it's the, the way I am with Christmas or something. I, but I don't know. It's not like you don't. I always like I don't want any candy. It's on Halloween. And I don't want to be eating sugar and getting all bloated on like some romantic night. I don't know. And then just all the restaurants are crowded and you're in there with other couples and it's supposed to be romantic. It just seems so weirdly communal and ugh. Keep that keep that shit to yourself. Um but I thought maybe we would talk just for one brief moment about the history of Valentine's Day. Now, obviously, there are many different reasons for it. Um, in some cultures, it was like, oh, it was when the seeds are sprouting and people are fertile, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then in the Catholic Church, it was about blah, blah, blah. That There was a few stories that I just thought, well, I'm not that interested in that. But I, I picked one that I thought was kind of interesting. Um. Some believe that Valentine's Day, you know, as is everything, it's a pagan festival. Okay, you think Christmas is about Jesus' birth. It's a pagan festival about winter. So goes Valentine's Day. It's a pagan festival in February. While some believe that Valentine's Day is celebrated in the middle of February to commemorate the anniversary of Valentine's death or burial, which probably occurred around A.D. 270, Others claim that the Christian church may have decided to place St. Valentine's Feast Day in the middle of February in an effort to Christianize the pagan celebration 
of Lupercalia, celebrated at the Ides of February or February 15th, Lupercalia was a fertility festival dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, as well as the Roman founders Romulus and Remus, or Remus. That sounds like a cartoon, like Beavis and Butthead. Um, to begin the festival, members of the Luperci, 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 I don't fucking know, and I really don't care. Um, it's technically pronounced that. Save the emails. An order of Roman priests would gather at a sacred cave where the infants, Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf. What? Like Every holiday when you break it down, it just starts to be like, I'm sorry, what? Let's take that again. So a bunch of Roman priests would gather at a sacred cave where these infants who ended up being the founders of Rome, I guess, uh, were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf. <laughs> sure, because that's how easy it is to raise kids. Even a wolf can do it. A wolf can raise your human babies. The priests would sacrifice a goat for fertility and a dog for purification. Then they would strip the goat's hide into strips, dip them into the sacrificial blood, and take it to the streets, gently slapping both women and crop fields with the goat hide. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you really need to make a reservation at the most popular restaurant when all the prices are marked up on Valentine's Day because you think it's about how you want to make eyes at your partner? But really, it's because some weirdos thought that some kids were would-be kings and they're being raised by a she-wolf and they thought God wanted people to strip animals of their skin and whip women. <laughs> what? What? Anyone single out there, if you're sad that you're not celebrating Valentine's Day, you can be like, yeah, I'm not really into celebrating people who believed that um, a she-wolf raised children and then I'm not really into like slaughtering dogs and then putting their skin and blood and whipping it at women. Like, no thanks. But enjoy yourselves. Enjoy yourselves at the prefix. Okay. So they would strip the goat's hide into strips dip them into the sacrificial blood, and take to the streets, gently slapping, gently, both women and crop fields with the goat hide. I suppose that would be a fertility thing. Now, why not the men? Men's seed fertilizes the woman. So wouldn't they, in fact, also have to be part of this fertility ritual? A woman just doesn't impregnate herself. Far from being fearful, Roman women welcomed the touch of the hides, because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. Exactly. Later in the day, according to legend, all the young women in the city would place their names in a big urn. The city's bachelors would choose a name and become paired for the year with this chosen woman. These matches often ended in marriage. Now, that sounds fun. I'd watch the shit out of that reality show. Just and I like that they, you know, it's for a year and then you can choose. I would watch that reality show called Earn My Love, U R N. And you put all your names in a big urn and you pick the names out and then you watch that, you watch all the different couples that have to be together for one year and we follow them and we see who gets married and who doesn't. Why is this not a show? 
there's so many shows that are sort of like this. It's like the 90 Day Fiance and isn't there one that's like instant marriage or something like that? But this is different. Earn My Love is, I, I shouldn't even be saying this out loud. Do not steal this idea. Or if you do steal it and somehow get it going, because I'm probably not going to actually get this going. If you do steal it and get it off the ground, give me credit, let me in on 50%, and I'll be happy to do that. So there you go. That's Valentine's Day. It's all about she-wolves, urns, and whipping women with bloody goat hides. I mean... Isn't, isn't every holiday really, when you get down to it, isn't that what it's all about? So what's going on in my life this week? Uh, I got a new car. I, this, you know, one of the things about this podcast is I try to talk my truth, even if it's embarrassing, even if sometimes I cry, even if sometimes I have to tell you that I just fucked up a relationship years ago or I got dumped or I lost a job or I gained a job and I don't like it. Or whatever it is I'm going through in life. I've always tried to be really honest, but I have to admit, I am, I'm not afraid of the cancel culture or the PC culture, but I'm exhausted by the you're not doing it right, you have to do this, you have to do that, or you're a bad person culture. So as you know, I've been a screaming environmentalist since I was a kid, and I'm going to admit that as it seems so much work, like it just snowed in LA on my way here, I almost just like had a freak out on the freeway because I'm driving and the sky just turns gray and as though God was dumping a box of marbles on Los Angeles, it just giant hailstones, maybe the size of a dime, were raining and pounding and my windshield was steaming up so fast I I, I couldn't get the steam thing, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You press that button and the and the Oh, defroster or whatever. I couldn't get that going fast enough. And the hail was piling up on the ground like snow, like ice. And it was suddenly snowy and icy driving. And and luckily it was my exit. So I got off the 134 and I was just driving down uh, Olive Avenue in Burbank. And it was crazy. And then I parked my car and it was still hailing. And I took some pictures of some what looked like fresh snow on the ground. And People make fun of LA and they go, no one can drive in the rain. This was not rain. This was a out of the blue hailstorm with fog and it was difficult to see. And there was absolutely no way to see more than like the taillights of the car in front of you. And there were no, um, could no longer see the dividing lines in the road. And it was just a shit show. And then when it rains that hard within 10 minutes in Los Angeles, your car turns into a little boat. Now it doesn't literally, but the water is up over your tires. And so you just start just floating like suddenly your car is Pirates of the Caribbean or Caribbean. So anyway, that's clearly climate change. Thank you. And yeah, I'm doing all I can. At a certain point, I do see how bad it's gotten and that I do know that we're past the tipping point and we can all do everything we can. But I have a little less naivete about um, the fact that we're going to wrangle everyone to do everything they can. And I, you know, don't eat meat and I don't have kids and I recycle and I do probably tons of things wrong and I try to get sustainable clothing and I do this and I do that. 
But the one area that, so my point about all that is it's important that we all do our part. But at the same time, I do realize that we are up against a bigger machine that we are not in control of. And I suppose if nobody bought a car again, then there'd be no demand and they'd have to, everything would have to be electric and blah, blah, blah. But I don't want anyone coming at me unless you're like, I only do all environmental things and I'm a vegan. But I got a new car and no, it is not electric. And I have so much shame about this. But here's the deal. I don't want a Tesla. I don't want anything to do with that company. I don't like it. It freaks me out. I do think they're listening to you. I don't care if I sound insane. I said this when email came out. I said the government's reading our emails. I didn't like when iPhones came out. I wouldn't give up my BlackBerry. I was like, they're watching us. Those are made by children in a shack. You know, a, a, sorry. It, when you have perimenopause, you you start to lose your memory, which is really scary. But uh, in, a, in a sweatshop, it, it just, you know, I'm not perfect. And so... I used to drive a clean diesel car, and then those they stopped making those. I never wanted a Prius because I didn't want the battery situation. And right now, I would drive an electric car if there was one that I wanted to drive. And in my place, we do have the electric hookup, but I'm just not there. I just don't. I I just don't desire to deal with an electric car. I also have my thoughts about what scares me about them, and and I part of me thinks someone's going to crash into the grid and they're going to take control of all the cars and they'll just be slamming into each other. I don't really think that, but part of me does sort of think that. And then I, I don't know, the whole thing's a mess. And, but I bought a car that uses gas. Oh my God. I mean, I had one before, but so I lease a car, you know, I could always change my mind, I suppose, and lease early, get an electric, but this was actually cheaper for me than getting an electric. And, but it's got good emissions and like the car stops so that you don't, blast fuel everywhere and I only drive about 100 miles a week if that maybe 50 so that's what I did it's orange and I love it and there was like I'm really dreading talking about it because I have no excuse I should be a better person I should have an electric car but I just don't and I don't know what else to say about it if I really thought and I know I'm saying everything wrong. It's like people who don't vote. And I'm like, no, you have to vote. People are like, well, you have to get an electric car. But anyway, so I use this company that... I love the company, but I'm going to shit on them. So I'm not going to say their name because it's going to give them the opposite desired results that they wanted. But they find the car for you. They price it out. They get everything. And then they drive the car to your home and then they take home your other car that you were leasing. They take that away. You do all the paperwork in your driveway and it's done. You don't have to do a damn thing. You don't have to negotiate with anybody to get the car. It's perfection. And, you know, there was a lot of back and forth. Things take forever. The guy that I worked with, I don't understand. You know, I have a job. It's a writing job. And, you know, they, all they ask of us is when you're there, you're there. You know, don't be like sitting there multitasking, sending emails, texting on your phone, taking phone calls. Like we have a little bit of a lunch break and then we're there like 1030 to 6 and that's when you work. I mean, I, that's a lot of jobs. And, and in a writing job, oftentimes you're there with the big boss. You know, in most jobs, 
you're there in, in your cubicle. And I've worked a lot of jobs like this. And maybe the middle manager is around, but the big head honcho, the reason you're there, the inventor of the company, the CEO, they're not sitting next to you when you walk in in the morning. But that's in writing jobs, it's like that. The show creator is often there. And you sit down and you get to work. You don't come in and you know, just start answering 50 emails and signing things. And, and so my car guy kept sending me emails. Can you sign this? Can you fill this out really quick? And it's like, no, I don't even have 10 minutes because I'm sitting next to my boss. I can do this later. Well, we need to get it done by the end of the day. I'm like, well, I can't, you know, and, and, and people act like I'm being unreasonable. They're like, can you get on the phone for like 20 minutes? I was like, not right now. And they're like, can't you just save to take a call? I'm like, no, because if everyone in the writer's room did that, I mean, it's like, yeah, these are showbiz jobs. They pay really well. And once you're there, you're there. And when you're on set, you're especially not taking calls and doing emails, you know. And so I'm not unhappy about it. I was just saying, no, this is the stipulation. This is when I'm free. And he was like, God, I hope you're at least getting material out of how strict this job is. I was like, the job is not strict. I'm I'm telling you, I don't do other things when I'm at work because I'm working and I'm trying to pay attention. If you lose the conversation that people are having and you can't keep up and, and pitch things. And that's part of your job. So, yeah. No, I'm not going to stop and take a phone call about details about this car when I could do it on my drive in at nine in the morning and I can make a call then or I can send an email later tonight. You'll get it in the morning. But this weird, I wasn't even complaining. I was just saying, so I talked to the guy that was helping me with the car in the morning. I called him when I had free time, which was driving to work. And then he said, okay, great. Now I have a bunch of paperwork to send you that you're going to need to fill out by the end of the day. And I said, oh, well, this was the free time I had for this. And so the next time I have free time will be tonight after work. And I will fill out all the paperwork then. Because it was about like 25 minutes of paperwork and looking up this and sending this document and printing this and blah, blah. And I said, and he said, you can't do it on your lunch hour. I said, we don't get a lunch hour. That's just not how it works. Oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, see, this is why most people can't be in show business because you're so precious about the stupid shit. It's like, yeah, this is a job a million people would kill for. And so I'm lucky to be there and I'm writing. And of course we eat lunch and it's paid for. And then we take a little break, but sometimes we work through lunch and sometimes you have, you know, obviously a little break so you can do your things, call your kids, check in with this. But I didn't have time to sit down and go through financial documents and look up account numbers and this and that. I'll just do that when I get home. And this guy couldn't, he just got, well, I hope you get a lot of material. No, I'm writing on a television show. I don't do stand up about writing on a television show. That's not a relatable act, nor is that what you do. You don't shit on a show. Like what? You don't shit on a show you're writing on, which I have no beef with. It's just like, don't talk to people. Nobody talk to people in show business, please. But just like, I just, every minute of my life is dealing with inane conversations that make me crazy. I really can't take it. So he said, what time can we deliver your car tomorrow? 10? And I said, no, I have to be at work at 1030. And he said, how about 930? And I said, I really don't think you're going to get everything done in a half an hour. I've had this process before. It usually takes 45 minutes and I have to leave right at 10 to get to work. If we're running late, there's no, oh, I'll just be late for work. I will have to stop signing papers and just take off. And he said, you're so funny how dramatic you are about this. I'm not being dramatic. I'm telling you, I mean, isn't that a normal boundary that an adult says to another adult? This is what time my job starts and this is what time I leave for work. I don't understand when people keep pushing, then that's when it starts to get dramatic, when you start to defend it. And so 
I he said, well, I can have the woman bring your car at, at maybe 9 or 9.15. But just to let you know, Jen, she doesn't normally start work until 9.30. So she's adjusting her hours for you. Yeah, good. She's the customer service person. That so Oh, so what you're telling me is someone has hours that they normally go by? Yeah. So anyway, when the whole process was said and done. Uh, he emails me. Oh, I'm so glad you like the car. Now, would you mind shouting us out on social media? And I didn't write back. And no, I will not be shouting it out on social media. Hey, Bernie bros, I bought a non-electric car. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I don't fucking think so. Social media. How about you do your job and I pay you, which is exactly what happened. And then we're done. Not everything is a social media shout out when I get nothing in return. Like, I'll shout out clothes that I love, hoping that the company sees me and sends me some free stuff. That's the exchange. It's not, I paid you, you did the job, now I do another extra thing, wherein I reveal what kind of car I drive in my personal life to people. Is you crazy? Have you been on the internet, sir? No fucking way. Barely talk about it on this podcast. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. But if anybody feels ashamed about something that really is, you know, you might be wrong about, you might be right to feel ashamed. You might not be doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, you also know that it's okay and that you really aren't hurting anything. But you could see how people would freak out at you online about it or anywhere and judge you and make you feel bad. Please send me an email. I seem fun at gmail.com. I always love when you guys jump in. Holy shit, you guys, there was so much stuff about sleep divorces. And this is perfect for Valentine's Day. I have a, a fun real life story to tell. But first, let's hear some of your emails. Jen, I'm in a monogamous relationship of 15 years. And to say that these things go in phases is so true. When we first started dating, he would fall asleep on the couch and I would get mad, stomp out to the living room and demand he sleep next to me in bed. Jeez, I was a crazy asshole. Now, I couldn't care less if we sleep in the same bed. In fact, I just care if the cat is sleeping in bed next to me because she gets under the covers and it's all adorable. You are so right. Sleeping in the same bed does not a relationship make. Sometimes it's nice to fall asleep together, but generally it just doesn't matter. Love, Jesse. Yes, <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I totally remember parts of that from my marriage where I could not sleep in the bed with my husband because of his snoring and his moving around and how much the bed would just tip when he got in it. And then when he would fall asleep on the couch, I would feel so offended. <laughs> and I knew something's fucking wrong with me. That is just some bullshit getting into my head about how things should be. Okay, Jen, my husband and I have our own rooms, and it's wonderful. We have different sleep habits and schedules, and we literally never sleep together. It 100% makes our relationship better. That is from Emily. Oh, I've got even more here for you guys. Separate beds. Hi, Jen, my husband and I sleep in the same bed, but we have separate blankets. He's Swiss, and this is what his parents did too. Huh. 
I haven't been able to find out if this is a Swiss thing or just something his family did, but it works for us. I actually think it is a Swiss thing. I could be totally wrong, but I feel like stuff like this, I've seen it in Copenhagen too, in Sweden when I was there. I Swiss people, weigh in. I seem fun at gmail.com. Anyway, he's autistic and sleeps wrapped up like a burrito. It makes making the bed super annoying because I won't give up the look of a traditionally made bed. His parents fold their duvets so they look like two sleeping bags next to each other. It's very neat looking, but you can see the bottom sheet, which I don't like. Oh my God, I feel the same way. That's where I'm so not Swiss or, or those kind of countries that are like, this is neat and utilitarian. I, it, I can't do it. I cannot see the sheet. It cannot be visible. Um, and sometimes I miss the feeling of sleeping under a blanket with someone, but I can't deny we both sleep better with our own blankets. Love the show. Megan. This is from Rachel. My husband and I have our own rooms and it's wonderful. Oh, I already read that one. Or maybe I didn't. I think someone actually just wrote the same exact thing as someone else. Kathy says, I just want to say a sleep divorce saved my marriage. I am a light sleeper. I get up early. Separate rooms to sleep in is the only way to go. People who don't do this, who can do it, confuse me so much. I am a Gen Xer. I know a lot of people think it's weird and wrong, but oh well. We have plenty of intimacy. It's not an issue. Sleep is important to your health. If you feel better, your relationship is better. All right. Um... Who else spoke up about this? Spoke up. Sleep divorce. Hi, Jen. I'm in love with the podcast and I've enjoyed your stand-up for years. Thank you. Anyway, I wanted to reach out about sleep divorce. I'm in one. I've been married to my husband for five years and we've been sleeping in separate rooms for over a year now. And let me tell you, it's really helping. I should explain that I have a major sleep issue and have for as long as I remember. It's quite bad to the point of taking Ambien to fall asleep every night and needing a very controlled sleep environment, white noise, humidifier, fan, weighted blanket. I'm a mess. My husband stays up later than me and used to wake me up when he came to bed. It was terrible, and then I would be awake just staring at him snore, and it caused a lot of resentment, not going to lie. Now he tucks me in and eventually goes to sleep on our big comfy couch. It's not ideal, but it's definitely helped me a ton. I'm embarrassed to tell anyone, especially since when I told my therapist, she warned me how bad it was for a marriage. Ugh! Wrong! That's not what therapist Jen says. That made me so ashamed, but your podcast helped confirm what I already knew. It truly doesn't impact my intimacy, and I feel that it works just for, that it just works for us. I thought I'd share. I doubt you'd want to read this, but if so, please don't use my name. I won't. Of course I'd want to read it. This is from Initial J. Jen, it was nice to hear you talk about sleep divorces. I'm fully supportive of this movement. My partner and I have lived together for eight years. While we started out sharing a bed in our apartment, things changed when we bought a house. Our small dog sleeps at the foot of the bed, but for whatever reason, when we're in the master bedroom, the dog jumps off the bed and walks around in the middle of the night. The click-clack of his nails on the wood floor wake both of us, and it's impossible to get quality sleep. However, in the guest bedroom, the dog sleeps soundly through the night without stirring. So a couple of years ago, I, quote, left my husband to start sleeping in the guest bedroom, and I haven't looked back. We both get quality sleep, and as an added bonus, I love this room. It's comfortable, cool and airy, and there's a large window that faces east so I can wake up with the sun. From time to time, a friend will discover this arrangement, 
And most actually haven't been so surprised. Maybe it's another generational change that is becoming less a sign of a struggling marriage and more, oh, you both have jobs and lives and would like to get a good night's sleep so you can make the most of your days. That's cool. For what it's worth, I'm 30, a millennial who totally knows what hard candy and matches are. <laughs> Long story short, move to the guest bedroom so that our dog wouldn't wake us, sleep great, relationship with partner is completely unchanged. Best, Jessica. First of all, I love that you did a summation at the end in case, you know, I just wanted to read that part. <laughs> Thank you for knowing what hard candy and matches are. And you know what? You've brought up something interesting, which I'm so ashamed to admit. It might be a generational thing in that maybe younger people don't think this is a big deal. I don't know. It, for me, I, I, I guess it has been people my age that have been reacting this way about it. Um, but I honestly did not think of it as a generational thing until you brought it up. I thought maybe it's just a type of person. You know, some people can be a little uptight about things. But uh, yeah, maybe it is. Oh, Gen X. Thought, try to be cool. Try to be cool. Our last one. Hi, Jen. I had a cup. Uh, this is from a man, Scott. I had a couple herniated disc in my neck last year. Ooh, ooh, shout out. I have degenerated de discs. And I could not comfortably sleep on our bed. We had this fold-out foam sleeper thing that was more comfortable for my neck, and I put it next to me and my partner's bed. My herniated discs have gotten better, but I'm still sleeping on it. It kind of feels like we're just sleeping in a really large bed since they are right next to each other. But because they aren't connected, we don't disturb each other at all. I swear it's like having separate rooms. He can get up in the middle of the night and my bed doesn't move at all. We also pile pillows between us and run a fan and it drowns out our snoring. I've been sleeping as good as when I was a kid. I would suggest if anyone is considering divorced sleeping but is upset about the idea of sleeping away from their partner, that they give this a shot first. It's a revolution. Our bedroom does look kind of funny now. It's a queen bed with this small, like, crappy little foam thing next to it. I'm really short, and my partner is a big bear guy. When I first put the fold-out bed next to our bed, he laughed and was like, oh, look at your little dwarf bed, and now I call his bed his big ogre bed. I plan on buying a twin X long bed eventually for myself, and I think it'll look more like one big king-size bed, but still feel separate. Oh, that's so great. Um, P.S. I've seen you twice in Chicago. Thank you. And you are so wonderful live. That is true. Everybody get tickets. Get tickets. Phoenix, New York City, Spokane, all on sale right now. And going on sale soon will be Winnipeg, Canada, Buffalo, New York, Bloomington, Indiana, Seattle, and Portland, Oregon. So and Dallas, all of that. Those are the only cities I'm hitting this year. Take it or take it or leave it. Um you kicked someone out for screaming no politics when you discussed politics. And it made me so nervous, but it was so entertaining at the same time. Well, that's the line us performers like to ride. And actually, I'd come out on stage and I was actually, I remember this night very well. It was at Talia Hall in Chicago three years ago. And I came out on stage and I started telling a story that had just happened to me on a flight where a guy was really rude to me and he called me a witch because I was wearing all black. And it was like a feminist story, but not a political story. And I wasn't even going to do politics in my act. And this girl during a pause shouted out, no politics. And I just don't want someone in my audience who's going to tell me what to do or shout out during a pause and ruin a story. You know, I started playing theaters in areas that I could where I had enough of a fan base. And the point of those is you don't have to deal with drunk 
people that don't know how to behave at comedy clubs. And if that's a Jen Kirkman fan, she needs to be learned. So um, we, I said, no politics. And to be funny, I said, let's play the most political song. Let's play Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> like, dun, 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 dun. Some of those... Burn! Uh, killing in the name of... I think it was that. And I put it on while they kicked her out. And I went off stage. And then I came back on. I'm like, let's start the show. It was really... I tried to do it in a funny way. And uh, I think it worked out great. Uh, okay, great. And then uh, while we were waiting in line at the Talia Hall to get in, you just walked right past us and went in the front door. I was like, oh, she's just like us. She's not a rich bitch. Well, I hate doing that. That usually means someone working at the venue is not answering their phone and that they don't take seriously that I'm coming early and that they're not anywhere to meet me out back to help me get in because I do have stalkers and stuff like that. So I hate going in the front door with everyone. I don't mean to sound like a dick, but um, it just means that someone has not done their job. It does not mean I'm down to earth. In fact, I don't think it's special when people see the performer walk in before the show. I think it, it almost creates a level of like, oh, why am I paying money to see her if she just walks in the front door? I think it's not special. So there you go. Who are you voting for in the primary? I don't think you've endorsed a candidate yet. Oh, I do not do that. Um, that will be private for me. And um, I'm trying to stay away from politics because it just doesn't matter. People just don't listen. Last time I tried to tell people to not do that thing where they don't vote because we will end up with Trump and it will be unimaginable. And now we may not have a democracy. So yeah, I tried. But you know what? I'm in emotional hospice around politics. I'm just like, yep, give me the morphine. We're going down tried to help. Nobody listened. Okay. <laughs> so dramatic. So dramatic. Okay. Okay. Y'all, why talk about politics and we can talk about beauty, okay? But, you know, as I was saying before, I may not have an electric car, but, you know, you can use beauty products that actually make a difference. Thrive is a beauty brand with a bigger than beauty mission that goes beyond skin deep. It's based in Los Angeles. It's founded by a makeup artist and a product developer who makes high performance vegan, 100% cruelty-free formulas with the use, I mean, without the use. They're totally using parabens and sulfates. Jen, would you read the copy correctly? (laughs) Without the use of parabens or sulfates, they're amazing products Use skin-loving, performance-driven ingredients that not only highlight your best features, but are formulated for all-day wear. That is very important to me, I must say. Um, They never test on animals. They use 100% performance-driven vegan ingredients. And uh, again, for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive with a responsive giving mission that supports nonprofit partners with a donation of funds or products. Their causes include women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, and women fighting cancer. They've got a cult favorite mascara that I have used, which is great. It's called Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. It's basically sold every seven seconds with over 7,000 five-star reviews and uh, online and rave reviews from Elle Magazine, Glamour, and Cosmopolitan. It's a tried-and-true mascara. gives wearers the look of lash extensions, but it's smudge-proof, flake-free, and truly lasts all day. Um, yeah, they sent me a bunch of their products, and I, I really, really loved that mascara. Um, so here's the deal. When it comes to beauty products, we have so many choices. So why not ask more 
from your favorite brands. I'm motivated now more than ever to stick to high-quality products that are both vegan and cruelty-free. It's why I'm glad I discovered Thrive Cosmetics. Again, you know what? People say, how do you get such good skin? I'm really into what I call blurring cream. So they have a cream. It's called Buildable Blur CC Cream. And uh, so if you, you, that's how you want to put that kind of cream on your skin, but before you put on like any powder or any blush, and it just creates like this kind of poreless look. Again, it's vegan and cruelty free. They never test on animals. And for every product purchase, they give to women in need by donating funds or products. So here's the deal. Start thriving and help women in need by going to thrivecosmetics.com fun and use code fun for 15% off your first purchase. That's thrive, dot com slash fun, code fun for 15% off. Get it? Cosmetics, people, not COS Cosmetics cause like they're they're for a good cause thrive cosmetics c-a-u-s-e-m-e-t-i-c-s dot com slash fun code fun for 15 percent off so like i'm not a horrible person because i do wear shoes that are made out of recycled plastic water bottles but what's awesome is they're super comfortable and machine washable. I love my Rothy sneakers. And I'm listen, I've been wearing white sneakers out and about my Rothy sneakers. And I know that's technically winter and you're not supposed to wear white before Memorial Day. But I don't care. I'm breaking all the rules. They are stylish, sustainable, comfortable. They're washable. I have washed them and they were fine. Really, all in one pair of shoes. They're perfect. They're flats that you can take on the go. And I, again, I've got this more of like a little sneaker thing that looks like a little little white booty. Rothy's are the perfect everyday shoes for life on the go. They're stylish, comfortable. They go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. They come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns. And they're available in a range of styles like sneakers, loafers, points, and more. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks that sell out constantly. So again, it's always good to just go to the website as often as you can and see what they have going on. So go to rothys.com slash funlessness, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash funlessness, which is F-U-N-L-E-S-S-N-E-S-S, to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. rothys.com slash funlessness today. It's going to blow your mind. They are made from repurposed plastic water bottles. They've diverted over 35 million water bottles from landfills already. That stresses me out that there's so many water bottles. Another major bonus, they're totally machine washable. Refresh them, toss them in the washing machine. No big. They own their and operate their own manufacturing workshop where they prioritize sustainability every step of the way. And this is my favorite part about it. The box that they ship in is actually the shoe box. So it's not this double box situation. No unnecessary packaging. And you'll quickly discover why BuzzFeed.com calls them their forever shoes. So here's the deal. Go to rothys.com slash funlessness right now and start shopping. They always come with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. No risk, no worries, no reason not to try them. Hey, my entrepreneurs, my creative types, my small business owners, how's How's your year going so far? How's your new year? Are you staying organized or are you like, oh my God, it's February and all of my New Year's resolutions are crap. So here's the deal. You need help. I know like, I can't afford an assistant, but, 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 but I know I got something for you. Go to tryhoneybook.com slash fun right now. I'm serious. 
I'm going to tell you all about it, but just read along with me. Tryhoneybook.com slash fun. Now, here's the deal. You didn't start your business so that you could be spending all your time doing like admin tasks. You know what I mean? That's not why. So here's the deal. We're going to help. Okay. Your, your passion is now your full-time job. And now you're like, uh, also, my other full-time job is drafting proposals, creating contracts, chasing down payments. Well, here's the deal. HoneyBook can help you with all those tedious admin tasks so you can get back to doing what you love full time. You can take on the day knowing everything is in one place so you stay organized and always look professional. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. It's perfect for freelancers, entrepreneurs, small business owners that want to consolidate services they already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp. Woo! With HoneyBook, you can automate your busy work. They have easy-to-use templates for emails, proposals, brochures, and invoices. I'm a Virgo. I love templates. They also have e-signatures and built-in automation to save you time and get you paid faster. So simplify your to-do list and stay in control with HoneyBook. So right now, HoneyBook is offering my listeners 50% off when you visit tryhoneybook.com fun. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Tryhoneybook.com slash fun for 50% off of your first year. That's tryhoneybook.com slash fun. That's T-R-Y-H-O-N-E-Y-B-O-O-K.com slash fun. Okay, everybody. So I posted a picture the other day of me when I was mid-20s. And I was making a little smarmy face. I was a little cutie, though. And I was holding up, you know, miming, holding a camera, like, mm, because someone was taking my picture. And back then, if someone took your picture, it was kind of weird, unless it was a birthday or a holiday or a wedding or something. And I don't remember what, where I was at all. I mean, I don't remember anything anymore. But I know I was probably about 24 25 and uh, maybe 26, 25, 26. And I posted as a throwback Thursday. So this picture is from the 90s. And, you know, you, you maybe I swear to God, there's like one picture of me a year. And since pictures were physical objects, we lost them all the time. Like, or they get ripped up or you spill something on them. I mean, unless you put them neatly in a photo album, but then you've got to carry these heavy books around every time you move. It's just like eventually you just lose pictures. And I was saying that, you know, back in the 90s, you just didn't have that many pictures. And I don't know what this was, but I think it was an even more unusual picture because I don't think it was any kind of special event. I think I was making fun of my friend taking my picture because I think it was just at a lunch somewhere. I thought it was a restaurant in New York and I thought I was on a lunch break with a coworker. This picture just exists in my phone. I don't even think I have a hard copy at home. And so I post it. And then one of my exes writes, did you cut me out of this photo? <laughs> and it's so funny because he's been my friend for 20 years. But he's um... <laughs> like we're friends now. And we talk about the fact that we dated and how like just ridiculous it was. Like we were both like pretty terrible uh, partners at different points. And uh, I don't think I cut him out of it. And, and I was like wait, why would you be in this photo? And he's like, I think you cut me out of this. And I was like, if I did, I mean, he's like happily married with kids. He's not really mad. But I was like, if I did, I 
don't remember. And if I did, I didn't do it recently. And if I did, it was so long ago. But I broke up with him to move to L.A. So I don't think I'd be mad at him and cut him out of a picture. But maybe I did because it would have looked weird to have a picture of an ex around. Or maybe I was doing one of those exercises where, you know, I don't even know those books. Make room, make room in a drawer in your apartment to let in love. And someday a man will put his things in that drawer and don't have any pictures of exes. I mean, I'm sure it was one of those things. I don't remember ever being angry enough to do that, but who knows. And um, But the fact is, if that picture physically made its way to where I live now, if it's in my box of photos, um, then it is already the pre-cutting him out version. I must have cut him out back in the 90s. Again, I don't remember. And I was like, I think this is like some random lunch I went to. And then my friend Eric was like, I took this picture. It was at blah, blah, blah's wedding. And I was like, why do you remember this? And it's just so funny. So it was, yeah, my ex-boyfriend had these friends. He was closer to them than I was. And so he took me as his plus one to this wedding, which was on Block Island in Rhode Island or off of Rhode Island and there was a storm and we got stranded there for two days because the seas were too high to take the ferry back and the only way to get off the island was a ferry or a small plane but you might as well just sign up for your death right there like um so the wind is so bad that boats can't go but I'm sure this private jet will be fine that a no one can afford but I remember there was talk on the island of If everyone pitches in $200, we can charter this small plane. And I had a day job at the time, and I'd taken that Friday off to go to the wedding. But now it was Monday, and we're stranded on the island, and my boss was like, where are you? You need to get to work. Although I was working in an internet company, and the whole goal of that internet company was eventually none of us will have to actually come into the office. Here we are in an open plan floor thing, and it's 1999, and aren't we so, or 2000, and aren't we so full of technology, and blah, blah, blah. And it was literally like reverse Devil Wears Prada, that moment where Miranda Priestly wants Anne Hathaway's character to get her a flight out of Miami. And she's like, it's just a little rain. But, you know, it's a big, giant tropical storm and all flights are grounded. And so my boss was like, I don't get why you just can't get on a small plane. I'm like, I can get on one, but so can Richie Valens and the Big Bopper. You mean anyone can get on any plane? I ain't getting on a plane like that. Not to get to work. I mean, for God's sakes. You know, not for a day job. I mean, dying for a day job. And so we all didn't do it. But I remember thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble for not risking my life taking a flight that shouldn't even be in the air. But anyway, that I sort of remember that about the wedding, but I don't know. So anyway, my friend Eric was like, I took this photo. And I was like, but that's what the 90s were. You remember. I mean, nowadays, of course, I remember where I took every photo because when you look in your phone, it will say the date and it will say the address of where you were and you just sort of live your life or I live my life through pictures and videos. And so, but back then, if you really only took a few pictures and you don't always remember why or where or who took it. So I thought that was really funny. This like little 90s drama played out in my comment section on that picture. And I just started thinking and I've been been talking about this in my act, but this part isn't so much of a, a punchline as... When we used to buy those disposable cameras that had, I think, 24 to 36 photos in them, you know, you might take it to a wedding and take 10 pictures that night, and then you'd bring the camera back home, and then you would put it on your desk or in the kitchen, and you'd look at it and think, God, I would love to see the pictures from the wedding last night, but the roll isn't done yet. 
So I'll have to wait until there's another event that I can take my camera to and take some pictures just to finish up this role, and then I can develop them. And you're looking at, you know, you've got 16 pictures left, and it's like, God, what is it, May? I probably won't finish this role until November. I mean, that's how few pictures we took. And, you know, maybe everybody's different. I know that some families were always taking pictures. My family kind of stopped taking pictures when I came around, which, I mean, come on, the one that was going to be in showbiz, you stopped taking pictures of her, but there's no pictures of really anything I did. There's like one picture a year of my dance recital and, you know, the school photo. But, you know, now if I was at a wedding, I would probably take a hundred pictures as though I were the wedding photographer and they'd all be the same angle. But, you know, in real life, when you're standing there and your friends are talking and they make different faces during a conversation and there's a funny moment. It's just this instinct to me to catch every moment, snap, 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 snap. But then when you look back at them, that nuance isn't captured and it just looks like seven photos of the same thing. And so I don't know. I, I, it just, I don't remember that mindset, you know, and I really miss it. I really miss everything being analog. I mean, I was just watching All the President's Men, which is such a great movie. Even if you can barely pay attention to all the different names and all the different things, but it's about Woodward and Bernstein who cracked the case of Richard Nixon being involved with paying people to um, screw with the Democratic primaries and break into Watergate. And the way these guys cracked it was just by interviewing people. But they were using pencils and legal pads and landlines and driving and going to people's homes and typewriters. And it is porn. It is analog porn. If you want to watch people typing, using landlines, writing things down, I mean... It's just, I, I was so sad when the movie was over. And I'd seen it before. And then Dustin Hoffman's character, he's Bernstein. He smokes all the time, which is fine. Woodward doesn't. But what I love about it is he'll go into someone's house. He knocks on oh, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Ellen. So you worked on the campaign to reelect the president, right? Well, I, I did. Well, can I come in? I'm, I'm uh, blah, blah, from the Washington Post. Hmm, uh, I have nothing more to say about it. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, people are not wanting to answer our questions. And, um, you know, how do you know what I'm going to ask? And you know, okay, I suppose you can come in. Would you like some coffee? Sure. And he sits down and he just lights a cigarette on the couch. I mean, can you imagine if you were a smoker today, walking into someone's house, especially someone you don't know, and you don't know their rules about smoking, and you just start smoking. But that's what it was like back then. There wasn't that many personal rules about smoking. You just walked in and started smoking. And most people had an ashtray sitting there. Whether they smoked or not, you had an ashtray out. Oh, God, I don't mean to idealize it. I understand. I have lung problems. Smoking's not good. <laughs> I get it. But there's something so simple about a time when I guess everyone was rude enough to just light up in each other's houses. <laughs> oh, to go analog again. So... I don't know why that was. That's my Valentine's Day story. My love, my love story to my friends, my exes who are still friends with me, and cameras. <laughs> oh, everybody, here's the deal. So please follow the podcast on Instagram. It's at Jen Kirkman Podcast. I love when you leave comments there rather than DMs. 
please do. It makes me so happy. And you can follow um, the podcast on Twitter as well. A lot of people will just tweet me about the podcast. And I'd like to encourage you to tweet the podcast. Why not? Keep it all organized in one place, right? And so you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pod. And then uh, the Patreon is coming. The Patreon is coming. So for $5 a month, you will get um, a free pin. You will get, I think, 15% off all merchandise. You will get access to the Patreon-only chat group. And you will get a free video feed every week of me. I think at the $10 level, you get the once-a-month celebrity interview that I do, plus everything in the first tier, uh, a little steeper discount on... Um, Merchandise, I believe you get a copy of my comedy album, Digital, and I think you get one bonus episode a month, 20 minutes of me talking about a topical issue. And then I think for $15 a month, you get every week a bonus of 20 minutes of me talking about something topical from that week in pop culture, plus everything from the previous tiers and a steeper merchandise discount. I forget, uh, some other kind of gift. Um And then the highest level, you will get um, tickets to my shows with special VIP treatment and a free piece of merch at the table when you're there. The biggest discount on merchandise, a free tote bag, everything in the other tiers. And so there you go. I think the choices will be 5, 10, 15, and 25. So hopefully that's a little something for everyone. And I think all Patreons do have the option if you don't want to afford any of that. I think sometimes they just let you donate $3 a month if that's something you wanted to do. If you feel that you don't need to get anything extra, well, then that's your own personal choice. So that will be beginning in the first week of March, which I guess the first episode would be March 4th. There you go. So thank you all. Please leave a five-star review on iTunes. I ain't too proud to beg. And any anything you want to send me. You know, if it's a small comment, like, love this week's episode, I totally um, read books too. You know, save that for the comments. But if it's an email you want me to read on air because you're having a problem or you want to add to the discussion, it's something longer, do send it to iseemfun at gmail.com. But if it's just a comment about that week's show, you know, put it on the podcast uh, page for Instagram. And then as soon as we get into the Patreon, y'all can talk to each other there and I can join in as well. I think that'll be really fun. I hope. I don't know. Um, until next week, have fun. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.